this morning? Good. You know, uh, I love so much the Christmas songs and celebration that we have at Christmas time. How, how many, what's your favorite hymn? Christmas hymn. Let me, let me ask you guys. Joy to the world. Hey, isn't that great? Somebody else. Oh, holy night. It's beautiful. Silent night. I love silent night. Yeah, there's a lot of great Christmas songs and hymns that remind us of the birth of Jesus Christ. And I love to hear those songs and sing those songs at this special season. You know, uh, Mary, Jesus' mother, was a singer also. And at the announcement of the birth of Jesus, or uh, when she was visiting with her cousin Elizabeth, uh, and Liz, and she witnessed the fact that Elizabeth was also a child, that Mary broke out into song. <clears throat> it's exciting, isn't it, when we do that? Uh, Mary is visited by the angel, and she gets the information about the birth of Jesus, but also that angel shared with her about her cousin Elizabeth and said she's also conceived. Now listen, Elizabeth, when she conceived, was very old. I don't know how very old it is, but she was way beyond childbearing years, her and her husband, Zachariah. And for them to have a child as well, it was a miracle. And so Mary heard about that from the angel, and uh, Elizabeth was farther along than Mary was. And so John would be born before Jesus because the Bible prophesied him as the forerunner of Jesus Christ. In other words, he would come before and he would announce the way the Messiah was coming, prepare the way and give that uh, <clears throat> prophecy to, to the world as well. And so Mary, in her curiosity, I'm sure, decided, hey, I, I need to go. I want to go see this. You know, think about it just for a minute. She'd just been told that she's going to have a child. It's going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's going to be the Messiah. And then she also hears about Mary, who she knows is way beyond childbearing age. is going to have a baby as well. And so, you know, I'm thinking about, well... You know, I, I want to check this out. And, and so when she went to see Elizabeth, sure enough, Elizabeth comes out. Elizabeth's been hiding herself for these four or five months. <clears throat> and she comes out, and pretty obvious, I'm sure, to Mary that she's with child. And Mary sees that. You, you know what that did in this young girl's heart? It just reinforced that truth to her. You know, that, hey, what God told me is true, just like what he told me about my cousin is true as well. And so she visited there, the Bible says, for a little while, about three months. They <clears throat> uh, were there. I guess maybe Mary was there for the birth of John the Baptist. The Bible doesn't say that, but, I mean, Mary's, uh, Elizabeth's six months along, and Mary stays there three months. We can <clears throat> do the math, right? Uh, and then Mary comes home <clears throat> after having witnessed that very thing. But while she's there and while she's hearing this news, Mary gets caught up in her joy. And, and what the Lord's doing, she begins to sing. You know, how often does that happen to you? You ever had one of those experiences with the Lord where you were just overwhelmed by His presence or uh, you just heard and uh, found out some really incredible news or maybe you were so brokenhearted and God was there and it caused you just to break out in praise and rejoicing to the Lord and singing or sharing those things? It's really a good thing to do. 
And so she began to sing praises to God. But you know, in Mary's song and praise the Lord, I don't think she realized it or understood it or not knowing what she was singing, but she was really singing about the things that God had promised to do through the Messiah that would be done by her son, Jesus Christ, God the Son. Actually, what he would be accomplishing on the cross of Calvary. You see, Mary didn't realize it. Not only was she singing about her son, but she was singing about the cross. About what he would do. How many songs do we sing about the cross, right? (laughs) As a church, I, I love those songs. There's power in the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. One of my favorites is, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty state. It's about the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And and Mary was singing about the cross, maybe not even knowing. But in a sense looking forward to what Jesus would do. Listen to what she sang. It says in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1. Let me give you the reference. Luke chapter 1. Probably have it behind me, so that's okay. <clears throat> verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth... All generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him. For generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their heart. He has put down the mighty for their, from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped the servant, his servant Israel, in remembering or in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. Bow with me if you would this morning and let's let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you today for the testimony of your servant Mary as she celebrated, acknowledged, glorified, magnified your name and what would come later in your giving your life at Calvary. Lord, help us to see that in this Christmas song, there's the evidence of your sacrifice, of your salvation, your redemption. And Lord, help us to always be thankful and mindful of the great gift that we have in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Help us to think about this whole life here on earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, as we look at some of these verses in this passage, it's amazing how uh, so much of what Mary shared speaks about the cross of Jesus Christ. 
not only his birth or not only what God was going to do and how God was fulfilling his prophecies through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, but what Jesus would go on to do, how he would live, die, give his life on the cross, and then ultimately be buried and raised from the dead and send into heaven. Mary was singing about that very thing. You see, you can't sing about God and, and not understand his salvation. You can't magnify the Lord Jesus Christ and not be focused on him giving his life. You, you can't understand him apart from his sacrifice. And so Mary gives some thought to that or about that or some things about that. If you look and follow along with me, let me give you five things that I really believe that are a part of what Mary was sharing that really point us to the cross of Jesus Christ. First of all, we have to understand that the cross shatters things. I mean, it, it literally... Listen to what you know, she says in verse 51. It says, He has shown strength with His arm. He has shattered the proud in the imagination of their heart. One of the things that the cross does is it shatters man's thinking. It puts to nothing confounds what man believes about God, about his redemption. I mean, you look at the misunderstanding that the people had about the coming of the Messiah. You know, they were looking for a leader. They were looking for a babe to be born in a palace, not a manger or not a, a stable. And, and so their misunderstanding of Jesus' coming is, is, is only magnified by their misunderstanding of why he came. And, and, and yet... The very cross or God's way of salvation just uh, explodes our, our thoughts as human beings about how somebody might become right with God. Listen to what the Bible says. You see, Jesus would do something incredibly powerful when he died on the cross. Mary reminds us that, you know, that he has shown strength with his arm. We have to understand it was much more difficult for Jesus to go to the cross and stay on the cross than it would have been for him to, to not do that or not make that sacrifice for us. For him to endure the pain and the insults and the rejection and all the suffering, then bearing the penalty for our sins on himself, dying for us, it took great power and great strength for Jesus Christ to do that. Only God could do that. And Jesus did that for us. And so... So, but yet for, for you and I or for humanity to try to understand that, why would God humble himself, go to a cross, give up his life, suffer the way he did in order to save us or redeem us? Big question, isn't it? Well, let me give you a simple answer. Love. Love. For God so loved the world. I, I love what John writes. So love means God loved the world in this way. Or in other words, John says, here's how God loves the world. Here's how he proved it. By giving his one and only son. So, so there's that. And then Jesus did more than show physical power, but he also showed wisdom in going to the cross. The wisdom of Almighty God. Yeah, listen, I love what Paul writes about this. Uh, Mary says that he shattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. In other words, Jesus took the wisdom of this world and he crushed it at the cross of Calvary. 
Now, there's a reason why he did that and a need for it. But listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's what he says about the cross. He says, Where is the wise and where is the scribe and where is the disputer of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. In other words, Paul's saying like all of man's wisdom didn't bring man to God. That, that all of man's learning and all of his education and all of his innovation and all the technology does not bring a person to God. Because that's not the way. And so Paul goes on and he says, for, for since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jew requests a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jew a stumbling block, and to the Greek foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Paul says that God... Fashioned the cross in the way that Jesus Christ would be sacrificed to confound the wisdom of man. Who would have thought it? Right? Nobody. No one. And that in itself is a testimony that what Jesus Christ did was from God. That it's His way for us to be saved. And so the cross certainly shatters our ideas about about how to be saved, doesn't it? You know, you and I can sit back and say, well, if I was going to save people, I'd do it like this. Yeah. Listen, there's no greater way to demonstrate the grace of God and the mercy of God than through the cross of Jesus Christ. No greater way. And so the cross puts the world's wisdom to shame and shows us the wisdom and the love of God. <clears throat> Mary didn't realize that. But it was a part of a line of her song. Another thing that she also mentions in verse 52. <clears throat> in verse 52, you see the cross settles things. Settles things. It says, He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. You see, the, the cross settles who can come to God. Because it determines how they come to God. Anyone is the answer, by the way. Whether they're a king or a, a peasant. Or whether they're great or whether they're obscure or unknown. The Bible says, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, at the cross, there's equal access. There's no front of the line or there's no back of the line. But... Everyone is equal at the cross. Somebody once said that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We, we, we all are equal. And so the idea is that the cross settles the issue, the things about how we come to Jesus Christ. It's one way. It's through one sacrifice. It's through, through one life given, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus would announce His to his disciples before he would leave, he said, would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Jesus says that I, I am the way. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, Scripture says. And Jesus says, I'm that way. It's, it's, it's settled in Christ. It's not up for debate or improvement or new ideas or new thoughts. That the cross of Jesus Christ determines the way for you and I to come to Him. It's the only way. You see, the cross settles certain things. It's not about works or anything else. Well, look on at verse 53. Another thought about the cross as well. Is the cross satisfies things. Right? Listen. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He has sent away empty. You see, the Bible says he's filled the hungry with good things. In other words, the idea always in Scripture is hunger, with hunger is the spiritual hunger. It's the thirst that the woman had of the well in John chapter 4. That Jesus told her that if you drink of this water that you'll come back and you'll be thirsty again. But if you drink of the water that I have to give to you, you'll never thirst again. So Jesus is talking about, or this part of Mary's song is talking about the idea that, that if we come to Jesus Christ hungry, seeking Him, longing to know Him, that we'll be satisfied. Jesus will never let one of us walk away from Him that really long for Him not to be satisfied by Him. He is our satisfaction. There's nothing that can quench that longing, that satisfaction in our heart other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He made us. And He made us to need Him. And and as long as we're being fulfilled and seeing those needs fulfilled in Him, then we'll be satisfied. It's when we step outside of that, isn't it? It's where we wind up in trouble. It's when we step outside of God's plan to to meet our needs that we wind up not satisfied. And so we we won't walk away from it. But what about, he says, the rich. (laughs) See, that's, that's those who are trusting in themselves or the things that they have. It's it's a person who wants to be self-satisfied, self-reliant, depending on self. Those are the ones who, when they come to Christ, they they walk away and they're not satisfied. Remember the rich young ruler who came to Jesus? And he said, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him some things, but at the bottom line, Jesus called him uh, to the very deepest threat to his believing in, in, in Christ, and that was his stuff. That was his stuff. And so Jesus told him, hey, sell all you have, come follow me. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says he walked away sad. Sad. You see, he was that person who came to Jesus Christ and says, I want to be saved, but I really want to trust in, in something else. I want to be saved, but I really don't want to completely trust you. I want to hold on to just a little bit of my assurance that I have so that just in case this thing doesn't work out, I'll have a fallback plan. 
You see, there's no, there's no fallback plan with Jesus. He is the plan. He's the A, B, C, and D plan. He's the everything plan. And if you and I try to hold on to anything else but Him, then we'll, we'll walk away unsatisfied about those things. And so the cross is that gift of God, Jesus Christ, that satisfies the things that we need. It gives us the assurance that we're saved. Listen, if we try to hold on to stuff or our own ways or our own wisdom, and we try to approach Jesus Christ on our own, you know what happens is there's always that seed of doubt. Did I do enough? Did, did I respond the right way? Um, uh, do I need to do something different? Always those, that doubt. But yet if we just trust Jesus Christ, we depend on Him, we cast our, our lives on Him, then we walk away with that assurance. And it satisfies. Well, verse 54. Cross certainly satisfies. Satisfies a lot of things. Not only our need for Jesus Christ, but it satisfies our sin debt. But also, the cross, if you look at verse 54, it stimulates. Stimulates certain things. He says, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. You see, when we think about the cross, it stimulates our memory or our thoughts of the mercy of God. How can we come to the cross in our mind or in our understanding and not know that God is merciful? Not, not know that the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ is the expression of God's mercy. Who would do that for us? Who else would be nailed to a cross for us? Who else would be punished and beaten and suffer? And bear the penalty of our sins and die for us other than Jesus Christ. And so now all of a sudden, when we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, that cross of the Lord Jesus Christ stimulates our, our, our thinking about who He is. How can we not know by looking at the cross how loving the Lord Jesus Christ is? <clears throat> Paul says in Romans chapter 5, but he demonstrated his own love toward us. And I love to think about that. He demonstrated his own kind of love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the expression of his love. Greater love has no man than this, than, than he would lay down his life for a friend. You see, the greatest kind of love that we can know and understand is the love that Jesus loved us with while He was dying on the cross of Calvary. And, and in that, it, it stimulates our, our, our thoughts about Him. How, how grateful we are to Him. You know, this week, yesterday in particular, we all probably celebrated His birth in one way or another. But I can imagine that every one of us celebrated that birth by having a lot of food. Did you guys have a lot of food? Still got a lot of food? Yeah, it's probably stored away or stowed away in the refrigerator. In a couple of weeks, you can get rid of it. Feel good about it. But we have an abundance, don't we? One of the things that God reminded me is, is how, how abundant, how many things 
that he'd given to me. You see, when we look at the cross, how much more abundant are the things that God gives to us by dying on the cross for us. The cross stimulates things in our life. Then finally, also, the cross saves people. It's the bottom line, it saves people. Matter of fact, it's the only way that people are saved. Always has been, by the way. Even in Abraham's day, Abraham would be looking forward to the cross. And the faith that he had in God would be counted to him for righteousness. And God would, would place even Abraham's sin and the penalty for his sins on his son. You see, I, I like to think about how that happened. You see, in the Old Testament, the, the saints of God get into heaven because their sins are on credit. You guys know about credit, right? In other words, you, you, you have it now and you pay for it later. You see, that, that's with Abraham. He, he had salvation then and Jesus paid for it later. But you see, for you and I in the New Testament, we look back to his sacrifice, our sins are prepaid. In, in other words, Jesus Christ paid for our sins before we ever committed a sin. Before we ever rebelled against him. Before we ever separated our, ourselves from him by sin. Jesus paid for those sins. You see, verse 55 says, As he spoke to our father, to Abraham and to his seed forever. In other words, it's always been this way. It would always be Jesus. It always was, it, it always has been, and it always will be. And it is now Jesus. Jesus Christ dying on the cross. It's always been God's plan for salvation. Paul says this about that very idea, and he writes this. He says in Romans chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he says, For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but debt. Paul says, listen, your sins can be, uh, you know, are, are, are paid for. Now, if you, if you choose to, you can go out and try to be saved another way. But Paul says, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you'll receive grace. And your sins will be paid for by Jesus Christ. But if not, if you work, then your sins are, are going to be charged to his debt. And let me tell you, our sin debt is so great, so large, that there's no number or amount or different kinds of works that you and I could ever do in eternity that would make us right with God. Paul says, hey, you either let Jesus pay for it or you pay for it. And by the way, if you try to pay for it, you'll ne it'll never happen. You'll never get that sin debt paid for. And so the idea is that God saves people. He's always saved people the same way. From Adam until whenever the last person saved, it will be through Jesus Christ. Through his death on Calvary's cross. And so now all of a sudden, Mary began to sing. 
I don't think Mary really realized that what she was singing about was the glory of not only God, but the glory of God's redemptive work. It was a song about his birth, but it was a song about his salvation. It was a song about his salvation for you and I today. The real question always is and remains, are we, are we washed in the blood? Have we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? How, are we fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are we washed in the blood of the Lamb? Bow with me if you would this morning. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we're so grateful this morning and so thankful that you are so kind and so good to us. Lord, that your mercies endure forever. That your, your truth especially about salvation. It's never changed. It's never wavered. It's always been the same. It's always been Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. It's always been faith in that special sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Father, truly the greatest gift is the gift of Jesus Christ. Paul described him as that, as that indescribable gift. Scripture reveals him as the Lamb of God without spot or blemish. And we thank you for that today. Thank you, Lord, that that gift is, is always available and ready for anyone to receive it. For by grace we have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. Lord, we know that it's your gift, and we receive that gift of grace by faith, by reaching out in faith and accepting that gift. So, Lord, I pray this morning that we'll examine, that you'll help us examine our hearts, see whether or not we've accepted that gift of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, and whether or not we're living in possession of that gift. Lord, I pray this morning that you'll stir our thoughts and our, our minds and memories as believers to that very thing that we are believers and that we, we have salvation through Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you now. I pray you do your work in our hearts this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I invite you this morning to.